The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film from the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. Sitting next to me is the big man on campus, Stephen Schleicher. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, look at that, Stephen. Did you get a haircut? Maybe. Uh, like a week ago. Oh, well, I haven't seen you. It looks good. Oh, thank you. Matthew, did you get a haircut? No, I haven't had a haircut in months. By the way, that's Matthew Peterson. He's on the other side of the state. Hi there. I'm on the good side of the state. Yeah, well, the right side of the, the state. The right, right side. Yep. Depending on if you're holding your map right side up or upside down. Well, if you're holding your map upside down, you have some bigger issues. <laughs> then you're on the left side of the state. I'm on the mouse-chewed part of the state. Yes, Otherwise, yes, yes. It's, a, it's a perfect, uh, what do you call them, rhombus. You know how to get rid of mice, don't you? Uh, I have a cat. Buy, buy just, a cat with a hammer. burn the house down and move someplace <laughs> that doesn't have mice. Yes. No. Same I way I deal with uh, spiders and snakes. Mm-hmm. You just leave. Yep. You, you forget your mortgage. Yep. You just walk away. Just you tell the it. bank, hey, there's a snake in there. They understand. You move somewhere else. Now, I can't name names, <laughs> but okay. I know somebody whose grandfather mm-hmm. had some apartments <laughs> that were infested with rats. Okay. And the fire department shows up one day to the apartments, and they're on fire. Now, nobody was living in the apartments at the time, right? Sure. So there wasn't occupied. That's good. But the place was on fire. And the fire department went in to go put it out. And he's like, hold on, hold on. You don't need to rush. Just slow down. You let it burn because literally when they went off to one of the side panels of the house and pulled it off, dead burned out rats came out. Oh, jeez. That was the only way to get rid of them. So I'm not the only one that believes that that's the best method. Well, yeah, but you're not the Nuke only one Nuke him from Earth believes. orbit and salt the Earth. <laughs> hey, if... Uh, and start anew on another planet. What's-his-face thinks we can inhabit Mars by nuking it? I think it's only just that we who burned out... Who thinks we can nuke uh, Mars? The guy who owns Tesla. Uh, What's-his-face? I always Elon his Musk. Name yeah, Elon Musk. He says yeah, he says the, that a, the a quickest way to explosion. get the temperature right. Right. <laughs> would change the temperature and change the, the oh, atmosphere. Man. I'm hey, glad he no. works for NASA. <laughs> Gra- no, he's contracted by NASA. <laughs> Uh, speaking of crazy things that have been happening, last couple of weeks, film festivals yeah. all over, well, not places we live. First, Telluride Film Festival over in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some big things kind of happened. What? Uh, they debuted the Steve Jobs biopic starring Michael Fassbender. Oh, yeah, everybody's saying it's like uh, Didn't Oscar. did we just have one of those? That we was did. The, uh, that was the not-so-good one with... Uh, Aston Kutcher. Aston, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Kelso looked really good as Steve Jobs. He you know, did. He as did. Young that Steve was Jobs, weird. Yeah. He does. Yeah. I think he looks way more like Steve Jobs than Michael Fassbender does. Depends on what part of life you're looking at, because I think um, Kelso the looks old... much better as a young Steve yeah. Jobs, and Fassbender yeah. looks a lot better as, as the an old Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Uh, but Speaking yeah, of people Fassbender, are, I think it's really good. What'd you say, Matthew? Speaking of Fassbender, I finally took your long, long, long ago. Uh, recommendation and watched shame this week oh that's a emotional thing why didn't you warn me about naked sally sparrow uh, uh, you're an adult i don't have to warn you about naked people you can also read the <laughs> and see wow. for yourself yeah 
Uh, but yeah, I know uh, Steve Wozniak said it was like watching Steve Jobs on film when he mm-hmm. watched the debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that comes out later this year. That is uh, looking, you know, people are already talking. Pretty Oscar. promising. Pretty promising. Yep. Um, some other things. Some biopic uh, scuttlebutt with Erika Franklin kind of started at Telluride. There's some weird legal battle that's shaping up there. She has been on that lawsuit for many years now. Mm. This is not a, a new thing. Not this new. is something that's been ongoing for a long time. But I thought I saw that she amended the lawsuit this week as well. Mm, I but I didn't. At I really today. didn't pay attention to it because yeah. I only reason somebody I gave her a Snickers bar. Like, how many biopics can we have in one year? There's Apparently actually a doesn't. very good one that's coming up All with um, with uh, what's his name from Breaking Bad, uh, 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 Trumbull. That's going to be a fantastic movie. I think it's Trumbull. I'm thinking. What is it? It's with, uh, the, uh, the, about a... the blacklisting of the uh, Hollywood. Trumbo. Dolphin Trumbo, Trumbo, that's it, yeah. Oh, I haven't heard anything about this. You haven't? Isn't it? Oh, my God. It's, it looks fantastic. It's got, um, um, what's his, uh, Brian Cranston yeah, in Brian it. Cranston? It's got um, Helen Mirren in it. Okay. Um, and it's all about the blacklisting of Hollywood in the oh 1950s. If you have not seen the trailer for this, Zach, really you need to go see this. Writing it down. Based on a true story of, of Dalton Trumbo's life. Okay. Um, yeah. Many of you may uh, know Trumbo from um, uh, writing the movie Spartacus, which went <laughs> on to uh, get a, uh, a lot of awards, as well as... Um, um, what was the other one that he did? But I, I think that the biggest thing was Spartacus because he wrote it mm-hmm. not as Trumbo, but as someone else mm. right, because, because he, was he was blacklisted and no one would hire him. And he basically is like, this is BS. And, uh, yeah, he wrote under the name Robert Rich. Yeah. I mm. think he wrote a movie about the blacklist because I, I swear to you, I remember seeing or reading about a movie where he was, he was in it. Or he wrote it, and Zero Mostel was in it. And if you watch the the ending credits, each person in the movie, you see the date that they were blacklisted in the closing credits. Mm, I can't remember the name of the film now. Yeah, uh, he uh, won an Oscar for the Brave One. Mm-hmm. Uh, he won an Oscar for Roman Holiday. Or, uh, oh, that's a good one. That's uh, Audrey Hepburn. Scene. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to figure out what else. What other movies did he do? Um, things that we would know. Thirty Seconds Over Tokyo. 1944. Wow. Our Vines Have Tender Grapes, 1945. Of course, he had a bunch before that. He had His career goes all the way back to 1936. He was oh like a gosh. big to-do in Hollywood. Yeah, he was uh, then a big he had, deal. Then he had Gun Crazy in 1950. Uh, let's mm-hmm. see. Roman Holiday, we already mentioned. Uh, mm-hmm. The Brave One, Green-Eyed Blonde, From the Earth to the Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cowboy, Spartacus Exodus, The Last Sunset. Lonely Are the Brave, The Sandpiper, Hawaii, The Fixer, Johnny Got a Gun, The Horseman, FTA, uh, Executive Action, and mm-hmm. Papillon, which is another good movie. I like uh, Papillon. In 1973. So, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So, a lot of work. Yeah, I cannot wait for this movie to come out. It comes out, in fact, let me look here, on Trumbo. It comes out, Trumbo. I want to say Christmas Day for some reason. That sounds interesting. Now, isn't Bryant Cranston also playing LBJ in a biopic? Yeah, out? he is. That, cause that's what I was thinking of initially, is what you were talking about but i have seen pictures of cranston as lbj recently mm. like maybe yeah. on filming they just yeah started i think or something. they're filming it and they just tweeted it i'm according to what yeah. i'm seeing trumbo comes out in november, november oh yeah that's 6th. it november november 6th yep mm-hmm. yep cannot wait for that good that's gonna looking be looking forward to that one i'm uh, also looking forward to lbj yeah uh other good news out of telluride was that it seems like johnny depp has made a movie that people are going to enjoy 
with Pirates Black of Mass. The Caribbean? No, oh, Black Mass. Black Mass yes. comes out this mm-hmm. week. It debuted well, really well at Telluride. It's got like an eighty percent something high eighties on Rotten Tomato right now. So every it looks fifth like, movie is good. Every fifth. Yeah, Johnny Depp. It's like the stopped clock theory. Even your stop clock is right twice a day. Johnny Depp <laughs> does four crap movies, then he does one amazing one, and everybody forgives him. And then he goes and does four crap movies. But he'll always make movies than Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. So that was uh, kind of some uh, uh, Telluride, but now Toronto Film Festival is kind mm-hmm. of all up in arms. A uh, lot of mm. stuff going on there. Uh, the Martian, the, oh, yeah, uh, the Matt Damon Matt starring Damon. Uh, by... Yeah. No, his name that I'm going to forget. He did Alien and then I don't Ridley remember. Scott. Ridley Scott's Ridley Scott. movie. Uh, that debuted, which I'm looking forward to. I'm the so book was really good. Um, I'm debating whether I should get, the, if I should read the book before the movie. Um, here's what I'm going to tell you is like this movie will be better than the book. Okay. The book was good, but. Uh, it was really science, science heavy because it's all oh, yeah, yeah. accurate science yeah. that scientists have looked at on everything he talks about on Mars. Uh, mm. But it's pretty heavy. I don't think it was the best written fiction book ever, but it was very interesting. But I think what I've seen so far, especially the casting of The Martian, it should be wonderful. Critics are saying that as well. Uh, it's got great reviews so far. Every time uh, you see that trailer, I'm just like, I gotta see this movie now. I know. I'm so, I'm so excited. Uh, also debuting the Toronto Film Festival was the Danish Girl, uh, the starring Eddie Redmayne. Apparently, they showed, or maybe they only showed a brief little bit of it. I think they showed like 30 minutes of the film, and I got like a 10 minute standing ovation. Wow. Uh, so that's got some Oscar buzz behind it, especially because Redmayne won Best Actor, Best Supporting, it? Best Actor. Last year for the theory of everything, mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got some good projects behind him as well. Uh, also, uh, also, you know, another biopic, Toronto Film Festival, Lance Armstrong movie. Yeah, there's another. There's another. Um, there's another one that I was just seeing today that I was like, I really want to go see that one too. Even though we were just talking about, I, I don't like biopics because yeah. of the. Um, the slanted view of the history, sure. which I'm sure Trumbo is too. Yeah, you know, yeah, all yeah. these oh, yeah. are. Of course. But there was another one that I, I saw today was uh, coming out of one of the film festivals. I was like, that looks really good. That's the problem. It's like, we we like, oh, they're slanted. They're not always true. Mm-hmm. But most of them are like really good. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. about interesting people mm-hmm. who kind of deserve to have their stories told. So it's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm not going to, I can't hate on it too much because it's well, going to be like, good. The, th- the theory of everything actually left out some important bits. Oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah. Uh, live. Cheating on his wife. Mm-hmm. And... But it, it, it made for a compelling story the way they told it. And I think that's, you know, that's where it really breaks down is if you see the theory of everything, you may think this is the, the true warts and all telling and everything in here is true. And that could be problematic because, of course, if you've ever seen Dragon the Bruce Lee story – a lot of that is fictionalized in the movie where they've changed the order of events. They've changed the time frame. They did a whole thing about a, a demon tracing down and chasing down Lee and the firstborn male of his family. And people still refer to that as a bio movie, a biopic. And I'm like, maybe not so much. Maybe, maybe that's more of a, of a, you know, a retelling or a, a fictionalized telling of lives. 
So there's a lot of stuff happening at the film festival. Are these something you guys follow very closely? I mean, I'm I'm interested in them, but I still don't even follow them too closely. I used to follow it a little bit more closely, but then when you start um, when you start learning about how films are accepted or not accepted, and and some of those things, and it kind of puts a little tarnish on it. Mm -hmm. I guess. And I don't want to be an Adam Carolla apologist, but I like Adam Carolla a lot. Um, He has a fantastic documentary called Racing, The Life of Paul Newman. And it's all about Paul Newman's, what occupied most of his life, especially in the later years, was him as a professional race car driver. And this is a a fantastic documentary if you haven't seen it. Mm. He has everyone that Newman ever raced with. He has interviews with um, Robert Redford. He has interviews with, um, uh, you know, just big race names. Mm -hmm. And... um, they didn't weren't able to get Tom Cruise to be in it, although whatever. But he tried to get it into uh, Redford's film festival, and he believes that because of his name, yeah, they didn't let it in, and it's got Robert Redford in it. That's very strange. Like, why would you let him in? It uh, is a fantastic, Sundance. yeah, it's a yeah. fantastic documentary if you haven't seen it, and if, even if you're not a, a, a race fan, watch this, and you will have a better appreciation for who uh, who Paul Newman was. And it's it's very well done, and mm. and there's only one point in the entire movie where Adam Carolla pops up, and that is um, where you hear a voiceover from him when he's asking a follow up question to somebody, and that's mm. it. And it's and it's he even talked to the to the Sundance people, and you could hear yeah. him just stumbling over the reasons why they couldn't let the Maybe the in. film in, uh, and it's just like yeah. what a shame. And yeah. it's because it's because of his name. It's sure. because of his name and 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 what people <laughs> associate him with. So well, it's a shame. Yeah. But it's a, it's kind of a shame he built. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think people uh, apply things to that. Are uh, film festivals much. anything you follow at all, Matthew? You just kind of eh, on just see what I happens mean, on social media. I can. I mean, I can name them. I think there are, there are a few <laughs> people that I follow. I follow uh, Roger Ebert, Chaz Ebert now mm-hmm. on uh, the Twitter, and I follow uh, the One Perfect Shot people, and a lot of the, you know film related twitter so i mostly get it through my social media sure. i think yeah it's it's also kind of like to me comic book conventions when it was the big anaheim convention once a year and four other guys it was easier to keep track sure. now it seems like there's literally a film festival every other weekend mm-hmm. somebody's like hey my movie is a film festival mm-hmm. yeah, so, it, yeah it kind of depends i mean whenever um jc shandor has a new movie I always hear a lot about it on mm-hmm. my social media because J.C. Shandor's assistant director is Ashley Williams' husband. Yeah. So I'm always like, ooh, I need to go see that bad Hurt movie. But I haven't seen it yet. So. You know, and the problem with like a film festival compared to Comic-Con where a lot of the announcements uh, about Comic-Con, or especially movie-related, they end up online where they're just like trailers not showing full films. The problem with the film festival, if you really want to enjoy what they're talking about, it's like, well, now you have to wait. And then and eventually it. the movie will come out if you live in a good city. And then if it doesn't, you wait until digital. Mm-hmm. And then you finally get to watch what everyone was talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I always find them interesting. I would like to go to one someday. Just spend the whole you weekend should. watching. You really should. You should have gone films. down. Yeah, uh, didn't you have a ch- uh, chance to go down to South by Southwest one time and you didn't? No, I well, never I did. I wish I would have. It's expensive. I'm sure like it is. South we sent one of our faculty there two years ago. Yeah. and. He did not have the full ticket package, mm-hmm. but just 
the trip, and I think he drove twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah, at the at the start. That's at yeah. the very base. Yeah, and he was more interested in the music than the films. Sure. So, oh man, it goes up from there. Quite yeah, a bit. maybe someday I'll take a drive up the Telluride, and you can, I think they, they allow camping and stuff, so you can just yeah. camp out. Yeah, and, uh, that'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be all right. Uh, last week we talked about James Bond. Mm-hmm. It's back in the news. Oh. For a really interesting reason, not specifically about the movie, but Regal Theaters will be allowing people to purchase a $100 ticket to the film, which will allow them to kind of not really watch the film as many times as they want. No, as long it, as it, it actually does allow them to watch the film as many times as they want, as long as the as film long as is, they, is in the theater. And? Uh, or until June 26th, or whatever, June 6th. Whenever it leaves the Regal Cinemas. But you also only get to watch it once a day. Oh, is that what it is? Once yeah, a day? you only get to watch it once a day for as long as it's in theaters. That's okay. Until, but until June. Watch it off. I thought June. June. That's like eight months in the movie well, theater. But when you think Regal. about when what you, you think about Regal's other theaters, if it goes down into the dollar theater and uh, those kinds of sure, things. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. I guess. Uh is this interesting to you? Is this something that it you is, ever it is a brilliant think, move. Yeah. And I and I I'm gonna I'm interested to see how this plays out because uh-huh. Disney could really latch onto oh, this gosh. and say, you know what, a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. maybe even they do a two hundred buck family package for a family of four. Mm-hmm. You get to go mm-hmm. see every. You get to go see this Disney movie as many times as you want. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. two hundred bucks. Even if you go see it three times, You'd Disney's well. still making money off of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's. I think it's a really great idea. Now there are some stipulations. Again, you it's yeah. non transferable. You have to have right. photo ID when you go and mm-hmm. and to do it. You can't reserve your seats. You can't right. you know for those places that yeah. have uh, reserved seating. You mm-hmm. can't reserve your seat with this. It's a show up and see yep. it and sit where you can. But it's I think limited it's limited to one thousand people too. They're selling one thousand yeah. of these tickets. I think it's a brilliant. I think it's a brilliant marketing move. It uh, depends. I mean, if you're the type of person who's going to see a James Bond movie ten times. Yeah, but I think you'd have to see a James Bond movie ten times for this really to be worth it. I, th- I think there are people who will do that, and just like with Star Wars upcoming, there will people who will oh, see that yeah. movie in the theater fifteen times mm-hmm. before um, uh, before January. Oh sure, right? Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, I remember seeing like Aladdin. I love the movie Aladdin so much, mm-hmm. and it came out during a Christmas holiday, and I was basically stranded in Hayes. For the entire time, and every day, two o'clock, I just went down to the theater, watched Aladdin again because I love mm-hmm. that movie so much. And I probably <laughs> saw it 10, 15 times in two weeks wow. just because it was, it was so good. Do you think this will ever be able to go up to a studio issuing, the, issuing this mega ticket, or will it always have to come through the theater company? Well, it would have to come through the theater. Always company. through the theater, but right? I, yeah, yeah, because it's them essentially pre selling yeah. the right. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the Disney, I mean, they can't, if the studios wanted to do it, they would have to work with the theaters to do that, mm-hmm. uh, yes. to make that agreement, because they just can't dictate to the theaters right. what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah it would have I to go from that from that side. And I think that, I mean, if you look at, you know, your Regal and your Dickinson and your other theaters, if somebody were to do it, I would say it would take one of the major companies like Disney to work with all of them if you were going to try and make this available. I'm not even sure where my nearest Regal Cinema would be. There's a Regal there's in, uh, Theater in Kansas City. There is. is there's actually one in Topeka. Yeah. Yeah. Really? I uh-huh. thought all. I was trying to. Fu- here were, huh? I was trying to look them up, and I think there's a three or four in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was in Topeka. Maybe it was Lawrence, but there are. They're all back east, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I mean, I mean, it's it, to me it seems brilliant because they're like, well, you have to watch the theater, the movie twelve times. Like, right. how many people have actually gone to watch a movie twelve times? And are they going to be the, in the? But look at look at all the people that how went back many, to see Titanic as many times as they did. I know, but like, are those the people that are automatically going to buy the hundred dollar ticket, or are they going to be the collectible crowd? Because you get I some, think also you're going to get some like weird, uh, cool ticket thing. That yeah, goes it's made of it. metal. Yeah, and you're going to go twice. And that means you just paid fifty dollars each ticket, but you got this cool collectible thing, and yeah, people yeah. will be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And mm. I mean, Matthew, do you think as these big blockbuster movies continue to roll out, this will be kind of a standard fare from AMC, Regal, those kind of people? Boy, I don't know if I would say that it's standard, but I it's I think it's one of those, you know, it when you have an audience for those types of premium collectibles, I think it's one of those things that if this hits, if this is successful and makes them, you know, you figure you sell a hundred at a thousand, that's a hundred thousand. But if, if they sell through this and this is a big enough hit, I think it's one of those things that will stick around like, you know, hollow foil covers in the nineties. Once they started becoming expected to sell, once they became something that it seemed like people wanted, everybody had them. So I feel like if this really works for Regal, we'll probably see this from all the other theaters. Because, oh, we do have Regal Cinema. Yeah, it's yeah, the Hollywood 14. So no, I didn't think that was a Regal. I mean, it makes sense that this would be, that somehow a theater would do this for Star Wars, because I think oh, yeah. people, I mean, I mean, yeah. just from my personal, like, I'm expecting to see that movie probably three or four times in theaters, mm-hmm. which would be the most I've ever seen a movie in mm-hmm. theaters before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think what? most people who want to see Star Wars are almost like, well, I'm going to go watch it twice at least. What is yeah. Spectre's release date? Uh, uh, November. November or something. Yeah. Hmm. Is that enough lead time for them to see if it's a successful thing and fly this as a test balloon? Or do you think that this is going to be something that uh, they wouldn't say, have enough information know. back it's up, It's up to the theater yeah. owners, mm-hmm. so... I mean, it probably depends how much if they pre-sell these, mm-hmm. how fast they pre-sell. They pre-sell a thousand. Oh yeah, I mean, it's a hundred grand. They'd so. know by the end of October. Yeah, so there'd be plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it this may be something where this is a you know a big trial balloon for something massive like Star Wars. Yeah, I I, I would say James Bond is actually not Star Wars big, but probably one of the bigger pictures we're going to get in the next month or two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In the comments of the article I was reading, someone from the UK mentioned that he does a monthly subscription to his theater mm-hmm, where he pays mm-hmm. like i don't know like 16 pounds or euros right and he gets to right. go to as many movies as he wants to mm-hmm. that sounds awesome to me that i don't have to worry about buying a ticket every time i go mm-hmm. uh, is there a number per month or annually that you would pay that you can go to a movie maybe if you, you can only go to a movie one time a day but you can go to every day any movie you want uh, is there a number that you think would be reasonable for you? $500 for a year? You can go see as many movies as you want? Mm, that would be the same as going to 30, well... Well, if, mm, if you did $400, $400 at our theater, that would be seeing one movie a week. Yeah. It would? Yeah, eight eight bucks is about the, the ticket price. Yeah, we, there. we have a quote-unquote discount theater yes. with discount service, discount popcorn, and discount screens. <laughs> and discount speakers. We're yes. talking o- over the course of a year then, 500 bucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. You pay your annual subscription or you can split okay. it out, whatever. I was thinking you were saying 500 monthly. Oh, God, no. no, no. no, no oh, no. Lord, no. <laughs> no. It would be 50 bucks a month maybe. You know that That's probably about where I would say – for me, but I could see four or five hundred dollars for a yearly yeah. subscription, especially if it's a nice theater. If you had, a, if there was a nice, theater, a nice theater, I would 
pay a hundred dollars. Yeah, theater. if there was a if there was a nice theater, then yes, I definitely would do that. But yeah. not here at this place. No, 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 no. And really, to be honest, I don't get it. I don't like going to the movies. We've talked about this sure. before. I don't go, like going to movie theaters because people don't know how to shut up. Yeah, and it's an awful experience at our theater to begin with. Yeah, so I would rather take that five hundred dollars and pay it for a little black box that sits between my stereo system and my projector mm-hmm. to where I get the movies downloaded to that little black box to where I can watch, and those are authorized sure. by the movie theater. But from what I understand, those do exist, but it's more like 25000 a year. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't I have s- that much money. I spend about $900 a year on cable. That seems about right. So, yeah, it, I mean, it's one of those things where it seems like a lot when you say $500 up front. But yeah, I think five hundred dollars for unlimited movies. First of all, would probably convince me to go to more movies. Mm-hmm. Well, and that is that's the other thing too. Um, that a lot of these uh, services where you're paying a large amount up front, where you want to get your money's worth, yeah. and so right. it does force you to consume more, whatever that consumable may be, an all you can eat mm-hmm. buffet or uh, you know whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's. It's not like a point. gym membership where you're gonna just get motivated at the beginning of the year to go to the gym. <laughs> and then never go the rest of the year where movies well, is. like, oh, there's a movie coming out every couple of weeks that you're probably interested in, especially if you've already paid for it. Like, well, I right. guess I'll go see Fast and the Furious 12. And that's the thing. It is kind of like that. If I had that set up, I might consider going to movies that I wouldn't necessarily say go and spend my 10 bucks on. Mm-hmm. You know, if something comes up and I'm like, hey, here's this, uh, you know, this rom-com with John Cena and Amy Schumer. I'm probably not going to the theater for that, but if I have that, so I've got the ability to go to the movies because I've prepaid for it. I'm like, I like Amy Schumer. I like John Cena. I might go and see this Amy Schumer rom-com with John Cena in it totally based on the right. fact that I prepaid, you know? And you should because so, it's really uh, funny. And I can oh, imagine how much more concession stand money I would spend if I was going to right? a movie that yeah. often. Because instead of paying the 50 bucks out of pocket, you're like, oh, well, it, I got in for free. Yeah. Now I can spend $30 on concessions. Yeah, sure, sure. I don't know. I'd be really interested if uh, I lived in a place at the theater that did that. Uh, listeners, if you have this service or uh, you think it would be interesting, you got to write in the comments how much you would be willing to pay. Would you pay $1,000, $100 a month? Ooh, I could. I don't know. I know that seems like a lot. I don't know. I don't know what the cap is. Thousand dollars. I never have a thousand dollars at any given time. Well, that's well, not true. On payday, I have a thousand dollars, and then the next day, it's gone. There you go. That happens. But you know, uh, no. Recently, we've been talking about you know the financials of movies mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. get them made and got to have names attached. Yeah. Uh, back when really Scott started promoting Exodus when the first trailer came out. His uh, uh, Moses movie last year, big budget Moses movie. Uh, mm-hmm. People were up, hey, well, what the heck, bro? Uh, Moses, Moses ain't English. Yeah, and yeah. he's like, and this guy's like, whatever, guys, I'm making my movie. You'll probably go see it anyways. Shut up. Everyone's like, hey, man, why don't you uh, cast, you know, the the right ethnicity for your characters and the stories you're telling. Mm-hmm. And uh, it came up in a recently uh, uh, interview recently because Scott's obviously promoting the Mar- Martian, like we talked about earlier. Mm. And he's like, "Hey, I'm not sorry. The movie never would have got made if I would have ethnically correctly cast this film." Mm. And this is not a, this is not new, right? Right. And it, it, it seems like something that everyone should get upset about, and possibly, probably will get upset about because he said, "I'm not sorry that I cast." all white people but he's right i mean 
and it's not his fault. It's not Ridley Scott's fault that right. he had to cast Christian right. Bale as uh, I, I, yeah. I want to keep saying no. I don't know why Moses. Right. Uh, he never movie never would have got made. Right. And I so, think that's an excuse. I think that that is one hundred percent an excuse. No, why do you it think actually, it's an excuse? Yeah, I want to hear that. Huh? Why? Why do you think it's an excuse? What's your I think that it is well this is the thing when you are making a movie you make decisions based on you know whatever you're thinking I do not think that it ever occurred to him to even attempt to cast a person of color I don't think that it's something where Ridley Scott was like well we know that this is maybe a North African or an Egyptian region and we need to make sure that we're no that never occurred to him it was a question of I'm just going to cast this person. Who can I get that's the most bankable? Like we discussed last time around, that bankability factor. Yeah, but that's that's this is from the director's standpoint. The he's not as concerned about the bankability as is the people who are giving him the money to make the movie. Well, I understand that. This is still an excuse. He did not. I will. I will say to you right now. I believe that under no circumstances did anyone think, "Oh, should we do this or not." They immediately went, let's cast these guys. Let's get these people. Oh, here's another white guy. It's not something where they looked at it and made a decision and said, we couldn't do this realistically. It's something where it never even occurred to them that it wasn't realistic to have Christian Bale playing Moses. It wasn't, you know, something that even occurred to them. Because until the audience started saying, or the people who may or may not see that movie started saying, hey, maybe this is a problem, I don't think anybody in the making of that film thought about it for a second. So to say that we couldn't have gotten the movie made, I don't think they tried. So that, I mean, that is an excuse to me. That is an explanation that reverse engineered girl movies never sell, comic books about female characters never sell. It's not a but, question but that who's they don't that, sell. But who is that coming from? Is it coming from the writer? Is it coming from the artist of the comic book? No. It's coming from somebody who's sitting upstairs, who's funding everything, and has the ultimate say of whether that movie or that comic book or that whatever gets made or not. Uh, this is a – unfortunately, this is the um, really bad side of Hollywood that – we we do discuss more and more over the last couple of years, female representation mm-hmm. in the movies, uh, people of color representation in movies. Uh, but this is something that has been problematic for a long time. And really, I, I think we should get um, – it would be great to have Dr. Will here to discuss this because during mm-hmm. our uh, Star Wars and pop culture class, uh, he has a lecture where he talks about how – where are all the people of color in the Star Wars, in the, in the Star Wars A New Hope movie? Mm-hmm. And Lucas would not have been able to make Star Wars if he had tried to get people of color as primary leads in the movie because of what was going on in the time period, the Hollywood um, studio system or the Hollywood system at the time, um, audience views. Uh, it just would not have been made possible. And it seems like it still continues today where, hey, I would sure like to cast this person. Mm-hmm. And the studio's like, sorry, we're not going to get people to come to the theater if it's got this person of color in it. You need to go get Christian Bale or we're not going to get the movie made. Mm-hmm. That's your concession. What, what, what do you think? Well, I'm not um, saying Ridley Scott did it. I'm saying that is definitely stuff that happens. 
And many directors or creatives or whoever will have to weigh the cost. Do I get to tell my story and get to direct this picture or do I not get to do it? Mm-hmm. What, what, what do you think, Stephen, in your mind is the turning point where studios would let that happen, would are more apt to put people of color or, uh, you know, just minorities on the screen instead of, you know, uh, white dudes on the screen. Is there anything? Cause every time this happens, there is an outcry on the internet saying, sure. Hey, you're whitewashing mm-hmm. a thing again. That's already been whitewashed by society on these stories. Mm-hmm. Now you're doing it on the screen, but it continues over and over. Uh, what is the point that that shifts in your I, I, do you think I don't know because you know there are female heads of studios mm-hmm. right the the head of Sony was a female until she had to step down was a woman mm-hmm. and was doing her job just fine um but Sony wasn't producing a lot more movies or that were directed by women than any other studio mm-hmm. why not I don't know so it's I don't think it's a person in charge that's when the tippy point will will occur because they've already had that option and they haven't changed mm-hmm um, well, I think overall as a society, it would be better off as we as a society would be more open-minded to stuff instead mm-hmm. of, oh, this person of color or this person needs to be re- uh, relegated to a secondary role and not a lead role. I mm-hmm. don't think we in our minds uh, see that. So I think we are a long way off from that happening. I, we are two generations away from that happening mm-hmm. at least before we start to see the big shift in that. Because it, it, it almost feels like that the shift has to come from more diversity of creators for there ever to be a more diversity, a representation of diversity on the screen. Well, and I think this upcoming Star Wars movie will kind of change that because we have uh, Finn mm-hmm. is one of the lead characters and um, he's black. Mm-hmm. And we also have Ray, who's one of the lead characters and she's female. Mm-hmm. So I think that will maybe help people understand things better. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I don't think we're ever going to see Captain Kirk be anyone other than a white guy. Sure. In a Star Trek movie. And I don't think we will ever see... Um, James Bond, although they could surprise me, and if they did, that'd be great, but I don't think we will see James Bond be anyone other than a white guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sad and unfortunate, but we've seen how many, uh, uh, what's his name, Jack, uh, Bauer, not Jack, Jack Ryan, how many different people have played Jack Ryan in films over the years, and they could have thrown in a bunch of different people besides always the same white guy. Matthew, what in your mind um, would make that shift happen where more diversity is ending up on the screen. There's not a whitewashing of characters and stories. It's going to come down to the money. It's going to come down to the audience refusing to see a movie that whitewashes history or refusing to see a film that ignores an important, you know, portion or important portions of the viewing audience. Uh, I saw something the other day on social media. The last three movies that have broken huge with black leads have been just massive films. And I know one of them was straight out of Compton. Mm-hmm. There was another one that came up just either this weekend or last weekend with a, a black lead character. Uh, is the War Room. Mm. The War Room. And you yeah. look at these movies. That's the And I think one, right? that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's the audience responding to movies that are doing things right. And I Mm -hmm. think that 
uh, Exodus, what did it do? Uh, would you say that Exodus was a successful movie? Or I, don't know. I don't know. Didn't, I didn't check see it, it really quick. Didn't see I it. Didn't, didn't hear it was very good. Um, I don't think it made a whole lot of money. Okay. This isn't the one. Oh, I'm think thinking of Noah was the one that had the uh, yeah. creation thing that was really this was, Yeah, that was actually This really was cool. Exodus Gods and Kings. Which yeah, I'm, $140 million dollar budget worldwide. Oh, United States, it flopped $65 yeah. million. Dollars. Foreign, it had mm-hmm. $203 million, so $268 million worldwide on a $140 mm-hmm. million dollar budget. So they probably did not even uh, break even on this after mm-hmm. all of the... Um, and they uh, marketed this marketed crap this. out of this yeah, movie. Yeah. So they... they they ate their hats on this one. And this is one where there was a marked backlash from the audience. There was a social media backlash. There were think pieces. There were people saying, what are you doing? Why do we have these characters yet again? Why are we seeing Christian Bale playing a character who is not a Christian Bale character? And I think that you have to ask yourself how much of the failure or perceived failure or how much of the underperforming of this film is based on the audience saying, you know what? No, you can't whitewash this. We don't even want to see this and not it's, going to see the movie. You know, it's so hard to say that on this movie because first of all, it's a religious movie and but, it's already polarizing from that aspect. But we've already said in this conversation that they're willing to make the assumption that audiences won't respond to a lead character who is of the appropriate ethnicity. I don't think it's that much of a leap to say that audiences might have responded badly to the film because it had a a person who was the wrong ethnicity. I think what we have to see and what the studios are going to have to see is the audience's money going to movies where characters are showing you know, where you have a diverse cast, where you have diverse creators, where it's not just, you know, another Ben Affleck movie that is Ben Affleck and a bunch of white people where it was actually a multinational Canadian force who went in and did Argo. I don't know. But I think that you have to, in order for Hollywood to respond to pretty much anything, there has to be the money. They have to be able to follow the money and say, is this failing for this reason? Is this succeeding for the opposite reason. And if they can put those dots together, I really hope it won't be two generations. I, I really don't because the audience that I'm seeing on social media, the audience that I'm seeing in the theaters, the audience that I'm seeing, you know, for movies, but for comic books and for television as well, is a more diverse audience demanding more diversity in their representation. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think that if Hollywood fights it, that's where you're going to have the real failure problems. That's where your movies are going to come down, where your movies are going to come apart entirely and fly off the rails because people are like, well, no, you can't have Christian Bale playing a character who is of an Egyptian descent. It doesn't work. You know, we have so many arguments about this. People are saying, well, it's, it's Game of Thrones. Realistically, all of those people would be of Danish descent. I'm like, tell me about the descent of the dragons, realistically. We have these arguments on the one side where we're willing to make the extension. We're willing to make the jump and say, people would not respond to this movie the same way if it was Chiwetelogia for as Christian Bale, but we're not willing to make the leap that maybe people are responding poorly because it is Christian Bale and not Chiwetelogia for or someone of an appropriate ethnicity, because actually I don't know that he would be appropriate either for that role. So, you know, it's it's kind of two sides of the same coin. I really, really hope that we are going to see change in probably the next decade. And I'm hoping that it comes without 
too much kicking and screaming from from you know the the big names and numbers in Hollywood. I know they're going to drag their feet. They drag their feet on everything. But I think that it can happen because if you asked me 20 years ago, would we be seeing films about LGBT perspectives? Would we be seeing films that actually are trying to portray characters who are trans and characters who are, you know, of, of alternate, uh, not altered, but of divergent sexuality, LGBT characters? I would have said probably not because the movies that we got were pretty terrible in the 90s. And now in the year 2014, we're starting to see some actual traction on those. We're starting to see those movies and we're starting to see people respond to them positively. We're starting to see that maybe the audience is a little further along than the people who are bankrolling the movies. And I'm hoping that that crosses over here too. Just a just a quick uh, note, Matthew. It is 2015. I just wanted to make sure you're up to date on what year. Oh, I don't know what day it is. <laughs> uh, in lieu of exodus when they did that casting there was a big push to boycott the film steven mm -hmm. do you think boycotting a film who, when, who, what was their reason for boycotting because, because, of, the, of, the because of the white what, only because of the ethnicity yes yes yeah uh do you think that is a worthwhile pursuit for people looking to make change oh sure i mean boycotting things that you don't like yeah. is is always a you know letting people know that you're not happy with something mm -hmm. Uh, is a great way to express your concerns. Mm -hmm. The studio isn't going to say, oh, well, we better pull this Exodus film and go reshoot it for another $140 million and right. hope that that satisfies the audience because now we're in it for a $300 million. So the studio is still going to release that film regardless. Mm -hmm. They've already spent the money. Uh, will they go forward in the future and say, oh, yeah, maybe we need to listen to this more? Again, go look at that um, uh, actor bankability index that we talked about last last week, and they're going to go off of that. Well, this person will generally brings in this much money for what we pay them. Um, so they're still going to be looking at that. And studio heads are around for sometimes decades. Yeah. So when I talk about multiple generations, in order for someone new and different to come in and get up into positions to make those decisions, is going to be a while. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a while. It may be. Maybe 10 years, maybe 20 years, maybe 50 years. Um, but that's that's the way I see it. It's, you know, I'm glad people voice their concern because it mm -hmm. is good for people to hear and understand what they like and what they don't like. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't mean that the person's going to change or the studio is going to change or that system is going to change just because people are voicing their concerns, mm -hmm. unfortunately. And, you know, it, like Matthew said, some of the, biggest surprising grossing films of the year so far have been through uh cast of minorities so i mean supporting films like that that you know put people of color in starring roles and then going out supporting them uh i mean let's talk about this is a money game that's going to be huge for people down the road when they're making their casting decisions in the future. It can be. All that, all that is is an underrepresented audience reaching out and crying out and trying to make their voices heard and supporting films where you might not necessarily have that huge of an audience if you didn't get the people who really want to see this in the movies. I mean, there are people, and you can tell me that they don't exist, but I've seen them on the internet, who actually decide their movie-making decisions based on these type of discussions. And, based there's, on people, and there's people, people that buy books based on who is writing it, people who watch exactly. television based on who the actor is, based on what network it is, people who listen to news based on what news source it is. 
And if those audiences are willing to respond to a movie, I think it's foolish of anybody in Hollywood not to actually try and assess why they're responding. Well, here's the thing, Matthew. They probably are listening, right? They're probably looking at these things. But you know what they're doing? They're not spending $200 million on a movie as a test. And that's where you're getting into uh, Ridley Scott's thing saying, this was $100 million. They were not going to cast people of color in this. Mm-hmm. But that, maybe that, again, a, is, maybe that again mid- is Ridley Scott's opinion. That's sure. That's, his, that's all we know is from what he says. Um, right. We weren't in those meetings. We weren't the fly on the wall. But I think you will see studios that will look at a movie like Straight Outta Compton, which was $60 million, and say, yeah, we can, we can test it on that and base it on that. So I don't think we'll see immediate change in giant, big-budget movies. But sure, on the smaller scale, that's where they will test things out. But I think you're right on the potential of Star Wars to change things. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they ha- the two main characters episode 7, it's a big deal. Rogue One, they said it would be a female mm-hmm. lead on that. And that's got a very diverse cast in it. Yeah. That. So, you know, and we saw, you know, like, Sci- sci-fi has a tendency to kind of lead these changes. I mean, we saw it with uh, Star Trek and television with uh, what they did with mm-hmm. uh, Ohura, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so so that was 50 years ago. I know, and look where we're at today, Matthew. Yeah. 50 years ago. Yep, see where we're at today. Uh, there's been a lot of change since then, and a lot of it has been retrograde. If you, even if you go back to the, you know, the television shows of the 80s, the movies of the 80s, I think, were more diverse than what we're seeing now. And part of it is flat-out cowardice on the part of those who are making these money-making decisions. Because, again, we've gotten in this, this – it's the same cycle that we talk about when we talk about uh, relaunches and revamps and remakes and uh, sequels. It's the known quantity effect. They don't want to take any possible risk to alienate an audience. And in so doing, they are alienating their audience. And large portions of those audiences are alienated and irritated enough that hopefully it will affect the bottom lines in ways that are positive to the output. So again, I, I, I don't question what you're saying. I feel like I really hope that it won't be two generations before this lesson actually starts to sink in. Well, it's, it's certainly it's not going to happen with Zach's generation. Probably. Right? It might start to happen with my son's generation, but more than likely it will be his his kids that will affect the most change at the biggest levels. I don't you, think Hollywood can wait that long. If you want to hear an interesting piece of this, I just thought of this. Uh, when they were doing the casting for season two of True Detective, they were mm-hmm. all over the place uh, with the thing. And then Chris Rock did a thing in The Hollywood Reporter where he talked about like no black women were ever considered for the mm-hmm. role. They were looking at anyone and everyone for mm-hmm. this thing. It's like, no one was ever talking about them. Uh, there's a Hollywood Reporter piece. You can find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a whole thing. Chris Rock is a great piece. Uh, and then just yesterday, talking about uh, diversity in um, uh, the production of the films and stuff, uh, Matt Damon said some, had some interesting comments on this HBO show, Project Greenlight. Yeah, telling, I saw that about Yeah, I uh, like, just yeah. saw it a little bit ago. So uh, we'll probably link to that in the show notes. You guys look it up. He kind of ran over one of the producers of a movie I've been wanting to see for a while, uh, Dear White People, mm-hmm. and saying how they need to be sensitive to one of the characters in their film they're creating uh, because she's a, uh, she's a black woman who is in this prostitute role. They didn't want anyone to come and make her just a prop of a character. So we need to find a director who 
treats her respectably. That name's like, well, we can worry about diversity in front of the screen, but behind the screen, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing. It's not quite what he said, but the sentiment's kind of there. Yeah. So you can look into that. It's all over the place. Yeah, and you know, I'm. I think diversity is great. I think. Uh, what what do you think, different. Matthew, have been the biggest turning point so far to get where we are now? Has it been certain films in your mind or just societal changes at large? Or what do you think has got us where we are now? Well, if you it, when I was a kid, I grew up with the expectation, based on what I saw on television, mm-hmm. that things were making big change. That, you know, the the systems that were causing these problems were somehow being disassembled. Mm-hmm. And I thought that because of, you know, the existence of things like the Jeffersons, which is yeah. a fictional construct by which George Jefferson well, but became, you know, the number one television show. You know, it's interesting you say that because that's the thing that I was thinking of, too. We think of the Jeffersons. We think about good times. We think about yeah. roots and we think about these yeah. are groundbreaking shows and movies and television shows that really changed uh, people's acceptance of people of colors in, in, in lead roles. Unfortunately, that was all during the 70s. And we've started resting and on then our we, Then we hit the 80s, and, and it became more saying. about the me generation and making money generation than it was about let's affect change. But that's also the fact that even in the 80s and into the 90s, we saw – you know, we saw these big name roles. We saw character oh, sure. actors. We saw male and female people of color mm-hmm. in roles that you don't see now. And I think that it's, again, a narrowing of the expectation of the people actually making and writing and producing the films that we've somehow overcome this, that this is no longer a problem. And so we're just going to as, as they say, we're just going to cast the back to actor for the job. Well, no, they're, what they're saying is let's play it safe. Exactly. And by cast the best actor, play it safe, they mean 95% of the time they take a baseline of here is a bland white male character to which everyone is expected to respond. And that's not going to always work. And that doesn't even work for me. And I am a bland, white male <laughs> character. This is, this is a thing. And this is a problem where, God, I wish Rodrigo were here. I feel like Rodrigo would have so much meaningful stuff that I can't really articulate. No, I think we know where you're coming from. And I think I hopefully you understand where I'm coming from, too, in that oh, yeah. I want it to happen. Believe me, I want it to happen. Uh, what's his name in uh, playing Spencer, the guy that was the um, um, keeper of the Rainbow Bridge? Yeah, Idris Elba. Oh, yeah, yeah, Idris Elba. Yeah. Man, I would love to see him play James Bond. I think that would Idris, be so would be cool. Idris Elba, and if they don't cast him as Bond, they need to make a movie where Idris Elba basically plays James yes. Bond in a different context and slot that right up against that next Eon James Bond movie and say, Neener Pants, Neener Pants, we got Idris Elba. Yeah, but, I, I would love to see that. I really do, and I wish it would happen, but unfortunately – as much rattling of the chains that I do or that other people do, the studio is still going to look at it and go, yeah, but we need somebody that's a, a Brit uh, white guy. But Steven, in your, if there's one thing people listening could do to affect more diversity on the screen and behind the camera, what's the one thing you think they could do? Uh, if they want to support my d- more diversity on screen and behind the camera, they need to go out and support uh, those productions that that they want to support. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they want to go out and support Idris Elba as, as James Bond, and he's in a uh, James Bond knockoff movie, go and please and go and support that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you don't have to go see a movie just because Hollywood is 
putting it out every weekend. Sure. Right. Uh, and so I think go and support those creators, those people that you want to go and see and that you want to see more of their work. Do you That's agree? the only way that it works because sure. the minute that something like Straight Outta Compton rises up and you've got a great cast of, of characters, suddenly it's no surprise that after the success of that movie and everyone has seen it, that uh, Ice Cube's son is now being considered for a lot more roles <laughs> than he was before this movie sure. came out. Because there's the support, and from the Hollywood side, he's now bankable. Mm-hmm. So Matthew, go out and support that stuff. What is your one thing that you think people could do listening to affect more diversity on screen? I think that we should first off be aware of diverse media. We should be supportive of it, and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go and see something. But it does mean that if it's available, you might as well give it a chance. And most importantly. We can't make the assumption that it's that Idris Elba as James Bond isn't naturally the best actor for the role because that's the that's the logical fallacy that comes into play here when we say we got Pierce Brosnan we didn't consider Idris Elba we just wanted the best actor for the role that's a justification for what you've already done that's like mm-hmm. Ridley Scott saying well it wouldn't have flown you didn't try it Ridley Scott you can't tell me that you attempted or even considered attempting casting someone else in that role. And while as a creator, it is absolutely your right to make a movie with Christian Bale, making a movie with Christian Bale in a part that's not appropriate for Christian Bale will lead to, as we see, an underperforming film. So I think that we should be aware that that argument has some fallaciousness to it, that expectation that well, we can't have diversity for diversity's sake. Yes, in fact, we can. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. And if you look at the examples in comic books, which is always my wheelhouse, people are still mad about Miles Morales. There have been more good Miles Morales stories in the last five years, in my opinion, than there have Peter Parker stories in the last five years. So over that same time frame, I feel like Miles Morales has really hit an audience that felt underrepresented. That audience loves him, and now he's the new Kyle Rayner, which means that eventually he'll get replaced or killed or shoved in a refrigerator. But that's not the point right now. The point is the argument of, well, we don't want to even look at this, isn't going to work because we see that the status quo is 95% Matt Damon and 5% everybody else. And when you have that 95% Matt Damon, you have to make a conscious effort to cultivate the other 5% if they're ever going to get anywhere past 5% because otherwise we're just going to have 20 years down the line, it's all going to be Colin Hanks and Casey Affleck. And as much as I love Tom Hanks, come on, Colin, dial it down, Colin, do something. <laughs> so, yeah. Well. That was, that was a long sentence. But it was good. Uh, that was fun. That's the end of this episode of Zach on Film. Is everyone satisfied? Is everyone happy? Yes. yes. Steven shrugs in I his mean, normal way. You know, Great. Just. Let's talk about, you know, the reality and let's talk about what we hope happens and hope that that hope. And let's talk about what we can do to make it happen and who we can talk into feeling what they can do to make it happen. And I think that's the important bit right there. And dear listeners, if you have thoughts and ideas about what we have talked about, 
In this episode, how much money would you pay for a year membership to your theater? Ideas <laughs> on increasing diversity on the screen? $57. I'm sure one of you will solve this problem in the comments over at Majorspoilers.com. You can find this podcast posting page there. You can give this show a listen. You can give this show a comment. And while you're at Majorspoilers.com, read all the news. But while you're there, click on that Amazon.com link on the right shoulder. Take an Amazon.com. You can buy... I don't know, the next Ridley Scott movie, or Selma, or pre-order straight out of Compton. No. <laughs> um, it's not going to cost you any extra when you buy those wonderful movies, but a little bit will come back to Major Spoilers to help keep this mega ship afloat. That's it for this week of Zach on Film. See you next week. This podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.